Awesome. Welcome everybody to the Independent Mouth. I'm your host Anthony, and today I I have a, a kind of a legend. I have a, a person who has been around the block a ton, known in the music industry, working on multiple albums, also working on documentaries. And for those people who pay attention to country music, I've got tons of messages already when I kind of leak this information out via social media. We'd like to welcome to the Independent Mouth, Sherry Pettigo. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic. I'm on the West Coast and I'm leaving in five days back to Nashville, but I'm soaking up every minute of being here. So this is where I've lived for quite a while till I went back during COVID to Nashville for a year. That's all. Now, listen, we, we got her. We have no video. So I want people to understand this was this was something I got lucky. I'm lucky. I get to speak with you today. And so we're happy to have you and the time that we will have you. So we're going to dig in. Um, but for the people who are out there, can you give them some of the newer people? Like I told you, I've gotten multiple messages and they want to know when this is going to air and when this is going to be around. Can you educate some of my younger audience or those people who aren't as astute when it comes time to country music of who you worked with, what you did, what you're known for. And then we're going to get into all the cool stuff that you're doing now. Well, my life, you know, I grew up in Kentucky and I always, my mom said my bags were always packed by the door. She said, the minute you came out, you were packing your bags. And she says, I just couldn't stop you. She said, you just had feet to go. And of course I was a fast runner. Nobody could, nobody could catch me. No guy could ever catch me. That's for sure. Oh, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> but, I got, uh, hey, listen, listen, for the audience, I got her here. Okay. So I win. <laughs> I get the thumbs up and we win. Go ahead. Oh gosh. But, um, so, you know, I, I was very good friends with the cash family and Johnny and Joe, Joanne, his younger sister is like my second mom. And mm -hmm. I just adore the cash family. And I was very blessed to, to be able to know Johnny and to have been blessed to have even had him play the guitar while I sang amazing grace. Amazing Grace was the first song I ever sang that he played the guitar on. And we, and you know, what was really funny is I had a broken arm and he looked at me, he goes, that looks like a, uh, a case of anger management. And I told everybody I fell off the trampoline, which really, honestly, he saw right through me. He saw it and everybody else I had. And I, to, actually, I confessed that about a year and a half ago to, to Joanne, his sister. I said, you know, when Johnny said that to me, well, he was right. I really, I did really get angry. And that's how I broke my arm. I hit something. I didn't fall off the trampoline. Ooh, she's spicy. <laughs> Just so you know, she's spicy for all the people. You yeah, know that are out I, had there. A, I had a little bit of a temper as a kid. I did. I, I omit it. So, you know, I've calmed that down since, you know, since graduation day. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Graduation day. All right. Graduation day of, of many years past graduation. So thank God I'm, I'm, I'm not a fiery temper, temper person anymore. <laughs> well, I can tell you like amazing grace. And that's one of obviously my favorite songs, you know, Oh, Holy night uh, is, yeah. is up there as well. Like I could listen to that and, you know, be completely serene, you know, serene. Right. And do that. But I know, I know fans are going to ask it, because obviously you were, you were close with, with Johnny cash. I think, we don't want to get into every little detail. A, a lot of people want to know, and this is what we do on this show. Was he as awesome as, as a human being as we want to think, right? Because I, we, you, you, go ahead. Uh, 
I'm sorry, I'll cut you off. Yes, he was. And I will tell you something that I just found out recently that I didn't even know. Because um, Joanne and her husband have a church called the Cowboy Church, Nashville Cowboy Church in Nashville. It's held at a theater. And if you're ever in Nashville, you have to go because it's with a full band, uh, cowboy hats. I mean, it's a country, very country. Mm-hmm. I never knew that Johnny um, actually started that. I, I He funded it for them to have the church. And I never knew that that he had he had put, that he got that started. Because that wasn't like publicly I think Joanne's telling it in her book now because she's got a book out that she just a lot of a lot of people, though, with that status, man, they don't want to because it draws all types of attention. And then everyone just kind of walks up with their hands out. Right. And you get tired of that, you know, when you're there, not that you don't want to help everybody, but you got to help your family. Right. And if you give everything, you can't help your own family. They never asked for his help. I mean, you know, he was a generous person and he Mm -hmm. he just really was. um, I mean, you know, they grew up very very much in the church. And, uh, you know, we all go down life's path and make mistakes. That's why I wrote, did my documentary because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I sure had my share of making mistakes until I really had a, what I would call a come to Jesus meeting. And uh, so I, <laughs> I've really, you know, I, I've come to realize a lot in my own life. You know, I, I had three different record projects, record deals, I should say, in my life. And I blew every single one of them because of, well, I won't probably go down that rabbit hole right now, but I, I, I'm grateful that I was able to be on the stages with all the people I did, but yet not have the platform fully to myself until I really knew I could handle it. Because so many people get on a platform and they get success too young and too early. And they, they, if they're not, if they are not ready for that, they, their whole lives can just go south and their personal lives, I'm going to say. You know, you can have all the money in the world and have all the fame in the world, but uh, if you don't know how to handle it, and and when it's gone all of a sudden, if you don't know how to handle that loss, it can be that. That was what exactly what I was going into, Sherry. That's exactly you just you walked right down the path because Mm -hmm. what I wanted to talk, what I wanted to expound upon was what you said. You said something really key. Now we both shared our stories talking to each other, and so we understand a little bit about each other, but when you go through and you have success, right? Like when I told you my story, I had success Mm -hmm. with hockey. We're going through now you lose that. Now, what do you do? So you were around this, you were trying to take advantage of these opportunities. But once again, man, God's got different plans. We got to pay attention to this because uh, Mm -hmm. things come and go. When one door shuts, one door opens, you hear that you hate to hear that you hate to repeat it because there's truth to it. And nobody wants to repeat that because it makes sense. And especially if it directly applies to you, you get a little mad. Because you're like, wait a second, I don't see that other door yet. But you, you were there. You were at the precipice. You were at the point of, man, I can take this and run with it. And oh, it yeah. didn't work. So when you got a chance to reflect on that, were you like, hey, I'm going to change that or no, no, no. Now I know how to protect the internal me, right? The, the external me is different than the internal me. And people only see when they see the money, they see the external. But now you're saying you've gone through that, you've dealt with that pain, the internal's good to accept it, where you could actually give a positive back as opposed to being a horror story on TMZ. Yeah, yeah, and I saw a lot of horror stories. I'm gonna be honest with you, I did, and it broke my heart. I lost a lot of people that were involved in horror stories in the industry, and I'm looking at it going, wow. I had a lot of money put behind me, and 
and in the music world and a lot of production put behind me and I was I had three labels fighting for me when I came out to California by the way when I came out here it was through Johnny Cash and John Schneider because Johnny got on the uh, was working with Jane Seymour and I, I left Nashville saying I'm never going to do music again I I anyway I'm not gonna I, I was in a relationship with a guy that pretty much I allowed to let his um his control over me, I should put it, because uh, he had major, major father issues, and I was trying to fix those issues, which goes into my documentary, by the way. So and your hero it, complex came through, huh? Oh, it did. You know, I, I didn't have, my parents did not want me in the music industry at all, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, they just kept saying, when are you going to get a real job? And that was what I heard and lived with forever, you know, and it was really hard because, you know, I didn't want to disappoint my parents, but like I said, my mom always said I had my, I had a calling on my life, you know, to go to, to the masses, to the world, but it never was about, look at me, look at me, look at what I can do, what I can write, what I can sing. I had a heart for God all my life. I did, even though I made a lot of wrong choices and a lot and uh, which I paid for dearly in my personal life and my career, <laughs> need needless I say, uh, I lost a record deal over it, um, and I won't go down that road because there's so much more positive things to talk about, but let me tell you something. If you're out there and you're pursuing a career in this industry, it's a lot different now because it's a lot of digital now, yeah. um, but it's an, it's an independent artist's world right now if you do it right, you know, but I, I tell you, if you're not out to change lives with what you're creating, you know, and really see positive change through your music. Uh, at the end of the day, it's great to entertain. I'm a full-on entertainer. Let me tell you, I get entertained till the sun goes down all day. Yeah, long. but there's a difference. But there's Sherry, a there's difference. a there's a difference, and mm -hmm. and I want to be really clear for people that are there. <clears throat> Content creation is huge, and I just want to say though, like like what you're saying, part of the reason, like I said, why I do this podcast, you're always going to have the look at me. Right, because there are certain people, and we've talked about this, that are able to handle that. Right, mm -hmm. you can walk yeah. in and you can go start this. You can have the success, but you can keep your faculties. You can keep your mind about you, so that the show goes in the proper direction. When people are new and they get that success, it derails very quickly, and you become subject to somebody else's opinion or somebody else's creative outlet, and. So when you follow people from the beginning, that, that's why you see sometimes you're like, wait, this show isn't exactly what I thought from here to there. I want to make that clear for people saying that there are some people that maybe you failed miserably and now is your time. So you're always going to have the people who say to you, look at me, look at me, right? Because I would use myself as an example, right? Saying I'm ready now. Of course, people are going to say, Anthony, you know, you don't mind, you know, people saying nice things to you, like talking like I actually like people, right? I always joke about it. But I'm ready if that came through now. We're like, what are you going to give me, a million dollars? Okay, a million dollars would change my life. But guess what? You know what I'm still going to do with it? I'm still going to bank it. I'm going to make sure my kids are okay. And here's where my real goal is. How can I eat really good food and play golf? Okay, like that's my brain. You see what I'm saying? Your perspective and your thought process has changed. You can handle that now. And did you pinpoint maybe the way you feel or actions that you're currently doing? that were not there at that time, but are oh, here now? Absolutely. I was, I mean, I'm so much more mature now. I, I was mm -hmm. so sensitive. If somebody just looked at me cross, I would cry. I mean, I, if 
I could imagine what would have happened to me if I would have, you know, like what I saw with some artists, what happened to them, you know, because they said the wrong word on stage and then, then they paid for that with their, I mean, mightily with their careers. I would have, that would have destroyed me. I, I would not, I was just very sensitive person. My whole life was very sensitive, you know, and that's why I would get angry, you know, if, if something. Wait, because you were sensitive or because you cared a lot? Because there's a difference. Uh, and I know. Yeah, because I cared a lot. That's you. That's okay. good. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, because yeah. I did care so much. I cared. I wanted, you know, I wanted everybody to also like me. I was always, you know, I was the most popular girl in school. You know, I was mm -hmm. the most athletic girl and then always trying to overachieve everything to the point of like, you know, I would, yeah. if there was a finish line, I was crossing it and there was nothing going to stop me. You're not different from successful people. Like the same things come out of the mouths of people who strive to be super successful. And mm -hmm. some people it happens earlier and some people they have to learn. And when they do, it's the best thing ever because people get that transparency and they connect. And oh, that's yeah. where I think, you know, look, I've heard, you know, one of your new songs coming out and I'm just going to tell you like, that I like some country music, right? Like I, I don't hide it from people. I had to learn, like I didn't have the respect for country music yeah. years ago. And it, it was about in the last 10 years, I got the respect for it because remember I grew up in New York city, right? We had this conversation. So for me, it was like pop. It was rap, right? It had it, it, these beats and it's just the way that I grew up. And it, like people would always say, Hey, country, country, this, and I didn't respect it. And then I kicked myself in the butt because I'm like, dude, you're dumb. You didn't, you didn't give it its time, right? You didn't, and then that that came with maturity. And now, I find my list of self-listen to country. When I heard your song, by the way, guys, I have this exclusively at this point. It will be out there. But when I heard your song, I was like, dude, that's good. Like, in my head, that's good. And I don't say that about country music. You know, so it was a, it was a learning curve. So just to your point, it was a complete learning curve for me to understand something that you had been working your whole damn life at. Oh yeah. I don't think you ever really stop, you know, and as I'm sitting here listening to you and what you're saying, I was reminding, I mean, there's so much going through my mind that I could talk about. Mm -hmm. I have my guitar here and I just want to play a little something real quick. Cause something just hit me as you were talking about country music. When I came out to LA, I actually, <laughs> I actually got discovered by the vice president of Kiss FM, Dan Kiley who was a major rock guy. And he signed some of the, I mean, while well, I say signed, he, well, he was responsible for everybody's career from Christine Aguilera to, to so Santana to so many because radio was an artist's ticket. Well, here I am with the senior VP of Kiss FM, one of the most powerful men, by the way, in radio, mm -hmm. who fell in love with this song, simple song I wrote in literally, I'd say probably it was like a hour maybe I wrote this song by myself um, in my house that I was renting in Northridge, California. And I had a premonition after a friend of mine died of an overdose in the music industry. And I sit down and I started writing this song and it's called Time. And I just want, if you don't mind, I'd like to just uh, sing a little bit of it. It's And, and I'm gonna tell you the story behind it real quick. You think I'm gonna tell you to stop? <laughs> you thought I was really gonna tell you to stop? No. Make sure my get. I don't think my guitar is totally in tune, but who cares? In my mind, the battle's raging, and it seems. 
That's all I'm going to play. <laughs> but this song, literally, when he heard it, now I don't know anything about Dan Colley from Kiss FM. I never met him. I, my friend Greg Thomas, who was a pretty famous drummer, heard me sing this song, and he said, "I got to take this over to Dan." And Dan, I was his first artist he signed here in Los Angeles. Now I'm in the studio with everybody from Gary Malibur to Buzzy Feetin. And uh, all the uh, Gary, uh, Marty Greb. I mean, these guys were at the, some of the top wow. guys on tour. I mean, uh, Gary Malibur was Bruce Springsteen. Uh, major guys that the music that I absolutely loved. That they, and, and and Marty Greb. I mean, he was with Bonnie Raitt for years. And anyway, man, when you yeah. when you met, look when you mention these names, I just want you to understand. I was in an Oldsmobile. Okay. Uh -huh. And because that's the car that seems to match, you know, match when we were all, you know, young in the eighties, everything else. I was in an Oldsmobile. My, my parents would play this music and we're stuck in the back. Right. So like this, but this was partially, and they would play Bonnie Raitt. We play all these places, like family would listen to it. So when you're saying this, this is like bringing back me sitting in the back of like in a 1980s Oldsmobile with the old couch seats. Remember, right. These little yeah. seatbelts that just went across the bottom me and my two sisters and we're on the way to go see family, you know, and mom hits the radio and these things come on. So you just, you just sparked up the memories in my head by mentioning some of the names. Well, we're in the studio cutting this song. Now, mind you, this is how I wrote it. It was very simple, mm -hmm. melodic, got a country vibe. And all of a sudden Dan's like, no, we're going to do this heavy metal rock. Like you're going to yeah. be the next Melissa Etheridge. And I'm like, uh, no, no. <laughs> and I started freaking out. I cried. I got home. I said, mom, they're turning me into a rock and roll girl. And she goes, well, you got to stay true to who you are. But you know, when I got in that studio and they brought my voice to that level of where they took me, I sit back and I'm going, is that me singing? Yeah. Cause yeah. sometimes, you know, that's why you don't produce yourself normally. Yeah. And that people can see and hear things in you that you didn't know existed. And I remember when they were doing my record in Nashville, you know, I wanted to do my own songs, you know, because I, when Harold Shedd first heard my first song, Harold Shedd signed uh, Billy Ray, I mean, Katie mm -hmm. of Alabama. And he first heard the first song I ever wrote, he took me over to Music Mill Publishing. For those that know what that publishing company is, very big hits coming out of there. I go in and I sit down with them and, and I had the song called Say You Need Me, first song I ever wrote and recorded by the way <laughs> he said well we gotta just change a few lyrics on it and i'm like 
and it was Beatleish. I never was really that country. I did have a rock edge to me. I just didn't know it. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I was like, oh, I don't want to write with anybody. <laughs> I didn't want to write with anybody because I could just sit down and write my own songs. I didn't want to have a co-writer. I didn't want to mm-hmm. anybody changing what I wrote. And you know, it was kind of funny because I was 18. I was young and dumb. And don't listen. That's the one thing I want to say to people out there. Don't ever tell a publishing company or anybody. Don't get so uh, so attached to your to your baby. Let's just call it that. Yeah. You can't let anybody else hold the baby or, or or be a part of that baby's life because I was really dumb and stupid, you know, with that because I I you know I was like, well, I wrote it. I don't really want a co-writer, you know. Oh God! And Harold was like, sure, you gotta have a co-writer. <laughs> But anyway, I'm going to fast forward back to where I was talking but, about. But no, no, but hold on real quick with that, with that though. Was that because you were honestly surrounded by like royalty? You Like, you know, and, and that's, and I'm, I'm only asking only because. I don't think I realized what I was surrounded by, to be honest with you. Okay. I, don't, I don't think I really realized till I got to California after I jacked up my career in Nashville because of mm-hmm. a guy that I was dating. I, I really didn't listen to the powers above uh, over me in the business that had that yeah. were signing me because and I was listening to my boyfriend too and you know I made a lot of stupid mistakes you got to listen to the people that produce you but you also got to listen to your heart you know yeah. there's a balance there is a balance in this business and I've had to learn it the hard way the hard way and um yeah yeah I I, I just <laughs> I mean I still Harold still laughs at me. He told me, by the way, the song you're going to play today, he said that was the biggest, this song is a universal hit. It's not country. It's everything, Sherry. It can go in every genre of music. And I always run everything by Harold because if people know who Harold Shedd is, I mean, he was the most powerful man in the music industry in Nashville. Between him and um, the other guy at Capitol, the one that signed, uh, signed, um, um, Oh God, I can't think. What's the big, the big country star that's legendary that will always be legendary? Well, Garth from Brooks. what I know, there's a couple, right? Well, Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I'm I'm in the studio with them, and I'm I'm they're producing this, and I was telling Greg, my producer, Greg Thomas, I said, Greg, I don't want to. I said, I just want to keep it, you know, my my Karen Carpenter side, my beautiful side that, you know, that soft side. No, no, Sherry, you've got a deeper side to your voice. We're going to pull it out of you. And sure enough, they did. And yeah, every yeah. single one of those guys in the studio, Buzzy, all of them were like, man, this song is such a hit. And and I was, I had three labels fighting over me. And because, you know, everybody wanted to sign the artist that Dan Colley's bringing to the table because yes. they know his artist is going to get played on radio all over the country and um yeah i and and anyway um so i did it i went through with it and i was worried that i was not going to be able to pull this off in concert because i mean i hit some very powerful edgy notes you know and um it it, it, he stretched me out of my comfort zone sometimes you got to get out of your comfort zone because we get comfortable as artists you know Mm -hmm. And sometimes we don't even realize the voice that we have to somebody else comes along and says, no, we're going to take you here. You know, well, it's thinking about it live, always part of that decision making. Right. And the creative, well, if, if you're creating something like, is this own, okay, this is only a studio, you know, song or, okay, this one would be good for all. Is that part of it? Or you kind of find that after you've already kind of, you know, mixed the ingredients together. Well, look at all the artists that lost their voices and had to go under the knife. You know what I'm saying? Because they, they, if you're singing 
pushing your vocal, I should say. Well, first of all, you got to know how to be able to withstand it, you know, to, to be able to do those concerts every night, especially when you're singing at such a, mm -hmm. that, that rock is, you know, you're going to have a lot of instrumentation behind you. You know, you're going to, not that you're fighting it with a great engineer, you will never fight your band. You know, they'll have you out there. You'll be able to pull it off, you know, but you better, darn, we'll have a great, great sound guy, you know? And um, yeah, that was a concern because I had lost my voice prior and uh, because I was trying to be Whitney Houston one time, you know? No, she's 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 on her own her. yeah she's on her own it's it's yeah, a hard can, act to follow we can love a lot of music and love a lot of songs but we stand mm -hmm. stay within your range you know and but that was just i never had really sang rock like that so yeah yeah but i honestly to this day now i'm i'm a, I'm a whole different type singer now than i was then because i found my voice you could say i found my voice and, I'm and it took you, that. it took you those mistakes. It took oh. you that time. It took the maturity for you to be able to do that. Do you, do you look back and say, um, you know, cause I've done it with hockey career, right? Kind of look back and you're like, man, I really, I would have enjoyed that, you know, because I knew where my head was, you know, at those times. Right. But do you look back now and you're like, man, I dodged bullets. Like I, it would have been awesome what I dodged some, some significant bullets. I think so. I do. I, I, you know, at the time I didn't realize it. I was pretty heartbroken. You know, Dan actually ended up dying and uh, he had, um, he had diabetes and um, you know, I, I suffered a lot of heartache. I just kind of dropped my career when I lost him, you know? And um, when I say I've had a loss in life, I had a lot of loss I have. You know, I'm not going to get into all their, well, I will, I will go there because Greg, my producer was his sponsor and most people in the industry, especially Rick D's and all of them know, you know, they all knew Dan very well because Dan started their careers and um, Dan had a cocaine problem. I didn't know any of this. I was kind of a little bit oblivious to it because I never really did any drugs in my life. But you were young, right? So it's not, it's not the first thing you're thinking all the time no, if you didn't grow up no. that way. I didn't, but you know, I got to sow, I got to sow good seed in their life. And I know my songs really touched those guys. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize why he loved my music so much. It was the words. It was the content of what I wrote. It really touched a place in him that I didn't realize he was battling with in his personal life. And later I found this out through Greg Thomas, who was my producer and who took me to Dan. Dan, he was his sponsor. He was his, um, wow they whatever you they call it a sponsor he was he was yeah. there to to be yeah, a support to, to link keep yeah him off stuff you know mm -hmm. and keep him straight and uh anyway but i don't really know how he died to this day it's still a little bit of a mystery i think it was complications with the diabetes and everything that everything else it's a rough life but when that happens you lose your you lose your um you lose your management you lose and then all of a sudden <laughs> nobody's interested in your career anymore. You know what I'm saying? Because you just lost your power play. So that's kind of wait, wait, wait. That's, that's something people don't, okay, okay. That's something people don't understand that you have to deal with just because. And I never talked about Place A, right? Yeah, <laughs> just because place A likes you and they mm -hmm. love your music, that is not reciprocal across. So like when people, when, when you hear the stories, like the stars have to align right? Yeah, Things have yeah. to fall into place. This is what you're talking about. 
So you now were faced because no fault of your own, a death of someone you were extremely close to, but that was your connectivity. So now it's start from scratch again, because now this person died, which is no fault of your own. You had no, you couldn't stop it or save it or, or whatever. And now you're back here again. Yeah, this is my, now, now this is the second time that my career's kind of went, yeah. you know, I got so close to the, to the, to the, well, I mean, I've tasted it, you know, I know yeah. what it is. I, I know what it's like to be on that high and I surely know what it's like to be on that low. And this, and there is a lot of great artists out there. There is a lot of incredible artists out there that never, their songs are never heard. You know, that's why I say to the independent artists, honey, the world is your stage. You have every opportunity in the world right now. It's up to you to get that good team around you that you trust and believe in you and just go out there and play. I don't care how you do it. Just get your music out there. You know, I'm this this song that I just recently done. Um, I'm it's in my documentary, and a lot everybody that hears it, it's it's touching so many people. People that I never even thought would call me up and say, "Wow, Sherry, this song is really hitting home with me." And I'm like, "Wow, you know, I never." And honestly, I never even planned on singing the song. I had written it for a male vocalist and it wasn't written for, a, for me to say, I was re- writing it from a male perspective. And uh, because I actually had written it for a screenplay that I had written and um, I just uh, turned it into a documentary. Um, and there's a reason why. Um, and I, I got to tell you, it's really, I'm, I'm so happy to see what this, not only has it healed my life, but it's healing so many people's lives. And I'm going, wow, if it took me going through all that stuff that I went through and listen, I, I was in Europe working. I, I, I worked in the EDM world. I was a top line writer. I, you know, top line is, is for, for the EDM, you know, the dance music. Uh, I, I I've written in the top line world. I've written, I had a triple platinum hit in the rock world on a very famous rock band. Uh, I was on the record called Need to Believe, Got Hard out of Switzerland, but they were signed Nuclear Blast, one of the hardest rock labels. Look them up and you'll be like, you actually wrote and was on that record. It was on that label. And that was another story that I was like, I can't write rock and roll. Well, it's not about I can't write rock and roll. It's like, just write the lyrics and and yeah. let the music and, and they'll produce it ever how they want to, you know? And I was blown away when I heard it. I was going, wow, I'm actually on a very heavy metal rock song. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I just, listen, the world is your stage. Don't put a limit to, or don't put a label on what your music is. You know, just write it, perform it. And don't worry about if it's this or if it's that. Just write great lyrics, great melodies and put it out there. Don't give it a label. You know, I call my music international music. I don't even put a label on it anymore. No, but you took you took it a whole different direction and kind of pioneered with the content creation because there's certain things that we can't go in into because there's just too much too much of a backstory and, we, and we're not going to go down that down that rabbit I'm hole. But getting started. <laughs> what? I'm just getting started, really. I know. Well, here's the here's the the funny part. You have a documentary that's coming out, and you've learned, like you said, some bumps and bruises that you've encountered along the way. And now you've got a documentary and now you've got this song where can you talk about the documentary a little bit, talk about the, the name of the documentary and also 
where did where did all of this really come from you know like you said you have now been down three different roads you've you've changed direction you've reinvented you've you've found out and opened up your box to find out who you are what you can do so a lot of this stuff was culminating over time now you get to the documentary let's let's dig into the documentary for people you know what's the give the the full name when can people expect it what's the deal the songs give us all the details kind of that go in with this documentary well that could be a whole day to talk about but i'm going to make it as brief as i can and i am going to give gratitude to actress diane cannon because without her in my life where i was with her at cbs for five years and she basically brought me to the place in my life of realizing that I had was choosing the wrong guys in my life. And I had to heal. You had a this. broken picker. I did. I was picking the screenplay was written about a, a guy I knew in the country music industry that I, I wrote about. He had father issues and he was the one that kind of started the mirror imaging for my own father issues. And he to this day has no idea about that. I even wrote a screenplay about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> now we do. Another, <laughs> the country singer who was going to play him in my, 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 my uh, film, he knew cause he guessed, but it's really interesting because when my father had five bypass heart surgery about five years, six years ago, it's been six years now. Wow. I realized then my dad never talked about his dad. My father had mm-hmm. lost his father, who was a violinist, by the way. Well, fiddle player, we call it in the South. Um, and he built his own fiddles. And, and my dad lost him when he was nine years old. So my dad grew up without a dad. But I never could understand my dad because he was a workaholic. And by the way, I always dated guys that were workaholics. And my dad always was not the one to, I mean, he had the way he, my dad communicated with me because my dad was in the car business was through a car. And, you know, it was always about my car, you know, and my dad had never talked to me about things that most fathers that are really, you know, father daughter relationships, my dad was distant. And I had a lot of hurt with my dad. And I think that's why I kept choosing you know, they always say you date who you, you're, you know, like guys date their moms and girls date their dads. Well, it's true. I, I mean, for me anyway, it was definitely one. Most people I interviewed, it was true. For I'm, well. I'm with you. I'm with you a thousand percent. It's funny that you're saying that my father lost his father around uh, nine, 10 years old. He was very oh, rough wow. and tumble. He was a truck driver and he was, wow. he was distant in the sense where he taught us to be extremely tough, overcome anything. That's because he had to. So when you're talking about that, that's like explaining how my exactly how my childhood was. And it wasn't until my father was older where those relationships opened up and blossomed into something new because he had eventually softened up and understood where mistakes were made or where he would look differently into it. So just to give you some insight, you know, you're 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 talking exactly the language of of where I grew up. So I understand it completely, but for the audiences, it doesn't mean that they were a bad person. They were, they were not equipped to deal with those types of things and not growing up with that type of parent didn't have the chance to learn and they worked and they supported their other families. And that's, 
all that they knew. They were rough. They were tumble, but they were the biggest lovers. Just they had to protect it because they had already lost what they knew. And it took me a long time to come to grips with that and accept that. But when I finally did, I understood where they were coming from. And I was blessed to have mine for, you know, 37, you know, 38 years. Right. So I understand you. I understand you completely. I'm not trying to interrupt you. I just wanted to let you know, like that was. Oh, no, no, not at all. I don't see that as an interruption. Um, pre- thank you for sharing that because, you know, I didn't realize just how many people, honest to God, I had no idea how many yeah. people were silently hurting until mm-hmm. I started doing this documentary. And I'm kind of glad I didn't do the film now. Um, I had a really, I pitched my my screenplay and did stage reads and everything. I had a lot of people behind me on it, but I, I kind of pitched it the wrong direction and it got stolen. So that's why I wasn't even going to mention that, but I, why not? It's the truth of what happened to me. And it was my first screenplay. I just wrote my story. I didn't realize that I was writing something that was going to be on the movie screen <laughs> by somebody else. And, you know, I, to this day, I kept going, was that just coincidental or did they really steal it? You know, that's they, that was my story there. And it was really hard for me because I, I couldn't do my screenplay anymore because it was too close to to what was already out. Yeah. And they so, protected it with likeness and you're not there yet. And so you're already late exactly. to the party. Now you got to prove, exactly right. you know, it's not like it, right? Meanwhile, you created it. No, I get it. I get it. That's why I keep, I tell people the wrong stuff now. You know, mm-hmm. like it, I learned. And so when I go into it, I'm like, here, here, you can have this little piece, but you'll never get what's there because you're only going to get it if I tell you. You couldn't yeah. make the stuff up with the no. best writers. No. And so now I just, I give them false stuff. And I say, if you want to know the rest of it, we got to go into a deal because I know that you like the interesting stuff I gave you. I'm giving you the wrong stuff on the other side. And now I know you know it, right? Well, so exactly. yeah, it's protection. Well, while we're on this subject, I'm going to just say to anybody out there that's listening, because I don't know who's listening. I really have no clue who your audience is. I don't know if there's aspiring artists out there, protect yourself and don't cast your pearl that God's given you before the swine, because you can't just trust everybody in this industry. And that's the truth. And there are people that will, that will really be true to you. And there'll be people out there ready to take it from you. And uh, that's just the nature of the beast. And uh, even wrote a song about it with Will Champlin. And uh, we got a song about it. (laughs) Pretty cool tune too. Um, and Will was on The Voice. He was back, his dad was Bill Champlin from the group Chicago. Um, but what a great writer he is and what a blessing to write with him. But you were, you work with like these people. My audience is going to go nuts when they find out who you've worked with. Oh, I've written with some amazing people in my life. I've even yeah. worked with the Little River Band. Uh, I wrote with Renata Michael Walden, who produced Whitney. That's why I was like big Whitney. I mean, I, like I could go for days talking about the people I've been around. William Shatner, I was his favorite artist. I mean, he. I used to do all his fundraisers for the horses because I'm a huge horse activist, and he does a lot of stuff with uh, with the horses and 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 programs that help autistic children. He's an amazing. Oh man. God, I'm going to introduce you to a really close friend of mine, uh, Deanna who I went to school with, but she, she runs uh, a horse farm in, in Millbrook, New York, uh, oh. called lucky horse, uh, lucky orphans horses. And oh, wow. it helps people who have had addiction problems, who are overcoming surgeries, things like that. Mental, you know, it's like all of that stuff. And, and that, you know, that community, she's been doing that a lot. And she's, she's been supporting me from the very beginning. Like when I wrote my book and everything else. And I just think that that might be an awesome 
relationship because that is right up both of your guys alleys and anything that I could do to help or fuel that fire for, you know, for, for that passion that you have, I'll make that introduction instantaneously. Like that's without a question. I, I appreciate that. And to the audience that's listening right now, you know what, when you, the, the, you young people that are ready to get out and do your career, always try to find something to give back to, because if you can work with foundations, like even with horses or animals, I produce animal charities. I worked with Bobby Kimmel from the group Toto. I've sang with Bobby. I've sang with a lot of amazing people on the stage and, and, and back them. And we've done charity events. We've given back, always give back because you can never stop giving. You'll always get back. And it's yes. the most incredible feeling to be out there, you know, working with some of these amazing charities and those animals are healing by the way. And, and, mm -hmm. I, you know, a lot of people, you know, there's some people don't like animals, you know, some people that, that are afraid of animals, but you know, if you can get involved with some incredible chair and you know what, that's also a good way to get on some platforms is to volunteer your time. Listen, it doesn't hurt to volunteer your time. Don't always no. think about a paycheck because let me tell you, you don't know who's going to be in that audience and who's going to hear you and who can take your career or put your music out there in their projects, their documentaries, their films, think outside the box. Cause that box. I'm going to, I'm going to confirm what you said. So the person who set us up was a person who I met through their family and they've been good to me. Freddie has been amazing to me. He has been such a good friend, always looking out for me and and doing the right thing and i always told him from the beginning i said i will take you with me wherever i go because i can trust you right oh I, he's the most wonderful freddie k uh, when i did my stage read yep. and i invited him he came and brought food he's out there setting up he's out helping me i'm like freddie you don't have to do all this no no i want to help listen that's that's a rarity <laughs> he's that a guy right there he told me i, I told him i said freddie look I, you know, for all the stuff that you've, that you've done and people you're introducing, like I, you know, I want to compensate you. And so he goes, dude, I don't, 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 don't until you get where you need to go. Let's not talk about that stuff anymore. We're here. We're friends. Right. Then you go on the other side of things. And I got, you know, guy knocking down my door telling me how wonderful I am, but then he wants money. Right. And you want to go. And I'm like, man, when you, when, when you see the yeah. sides of it, right? The snake is real clear. Oh, it is. And it's very clear. And they still support us all the time. And, and I can imagine, right? Like I haven't even been in the realms necessarily where, where you've been. So I can only imagine if I'm looking through Sherry's eyes and these goggles, right? Like I'd love to make like a, a just like a, a one episode of what that looks like. It probably looks like the predator, right? <laughs> you're just seeing in like ultralistic light and you're just seeing snake 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 and then you just see this one person where you're like their natural form that's the good guy you know what i mean like that's all i'm envisioning in my head i can't even imagine what you had to go through like you i know just from speaking with you the the empathetic state that you go to and and the gut feeling that you use to base those decisions and i know how i get when i speak to these people or i'm sitting in front of them i get nauseous yeah and people don't understand I know the people that I can pick up the phone and call in Nashville. Yeah. If I got a song or somebody that I know has got a great song, I know who to call. Michael mm -hmm. Knox, I'll even put a put a voice out there for him because now he runs Pure Publishing in Nashville. Now, Michael, I knew Michael back before he he was with Warner Chapel. And mm -hmm. Michael, and he was pitching me songs. He was, now I'm pitching him songs. But he was pitching me songs for my deal. 
And, but he always, he was the best in the industry between him and Harold Shedd, Bruce Birch at EMI. I mean, these were, these guys were golden and they yeah. still are golden. And Bruce wrote some of the, he wrote a lot of those big hits for Reba. I mean, major songwriter, but he also ran EMI Publishing. And I, I mean, these are, these are relationships that I still have. I mean, yeah, yeah they've been in the, Michael now, he, he started Jason Aldean's career. He discovered him and, and I mean, great guys. I know the ones I trust. I know the ones, you know, and grateful for those people because, you know, I mean, in that in that world, country music, I know, you know, and in Nashville, and and but I don't dive, I don't delve too much into the publishing world. I got my own publishing company, mm -hmm. you know, and I do a lot of my own pitching. But sometimes I'll hear a song of somebody else's and I go, wait a minute, I just made that call the other day for an artist, and I said, you got a hit song here because I know a hit song when I hear it, and I said, here, let me make a call. And Michael calls me right back. I mean, you gotta build relationships. You have to build relationships. And when you got good ones, you stay in contact with those yes. people. And 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 it's very important. This business is a relationship business. And you gotta find the team. You cannot do this alone. You have to have a team of good people around you that believe in you, that will fight for you to the bitter end. And you know, sometimes you'll get derailed and you might go off another path. But when you've got a team around you you trust, stick with them. And, 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 and get that team around you. It's so important. I feel like I am talking to some artists today. I, I, I feel like there's some artists that are listening that are, that are looking for answers. And that's why they get on these podcasts. They want to have it. They want to get a nugget they can walk away with. You know, well, they love this one. I'll tell you this. They love our pod, my podcast. Well, not only because I'm, I'm able to, to find people like you, but also they love the podcast because it's straight down the middle and you're being so candid and transparent into industries that people you don't hear this stuff from you hear nightmares and when you hear nightmares that automatically pushes somebody to to a side of the fence right we're having a candid conversation we understand these things are happening but look what you did and now you've turned that all of that experience you've got a documentary yeah. you've got a hit song on the way that's what people are are, are going to start to understand so you're out there making those rounds. And even though you've had this lineage and you've had these relationships and you have them, the point that I hear, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that the good people will always find the good people and you're always going to have bad people that are out there. And it, it's all subjective. But what you need to do is always put out good, the good will come back. And you always have to filter the bad people. They're in every business. It doesn't matter. It's not just music. It's not just podcast. It's it's not just entertainment. But look, then okay, they put you and I find each other, yeah. right? Like, so we talk about that. We've had some amazing conversations and brief conversations, but we got a cool, like the people who hooked us up was a great relationship, right? So now I'm like, man, I'm excited. Like, I want to promote this stuff when you've got it. Like, I, you've got me excited for you. Right. Aww. Just by us having normal friendship type of conversations. And that's how you build this thing. And that's that's the, the point I'm trying to you put across, because my audience are tons of creatives. I'll, you know what? I'll show you. Check this out. Here, I got this yesterday. <laughs> Watch this. So, my fans, the fans, they know how much I love hockey and and all the stuff with it right so i 
let me remove the background. Hold on. I'll do this for you because I want everybody to see uh, that's out there anyway. So give me one second. I'm going to remove this background. But the, the whole point uh, that I was trying to make was real simple. This person says, I'm going to make you something. I'm like, what are you talking about? Right? She says, I'm going to make you something. She knows I love hockey so much. It glows in the dark. And it is a New York Rangers man cave with my hockey number that I used to have. Oh, wow. And you can see the time that goes into this, right? It's all crystals. It's all made on there. It's sticking, right? It's all good. And it's shiny. And uh, she made that for me. And it came in the mail. And I was blown away. Who the hell wants to do that for me? You know what I mean? Right? I look at it that way. Who the hell wants to do that for me? So when, you, when you're telling me about that, look, my fans, they, they message and there are tons of creators. So you're talking to the audience and it's people that are going to support you. I can guarantee you that when the music comes out, everything. I'm actually, while you continue to talk, I'm like, hey, uh, I'm messaging De Deanna. Can I give your number to Sherry? Uh, you know, so that you guys can connect with the horses and everything else because of all the, the, the work that she does. Like, these are the connections. This is how it works in my world. This is the way I was brought up. You do it, you get it done, you do it right. And, and you build the relationships to last, not just today, not just an interview, but you build it past today. And so and from what I'm hearing, that's exactly what you've done as well. You know, just, I'm going to, I'm going to probably get some kudos with you when I tell you this. <laughs> I sang the national anthem. I was one of the first anthem singers at the Predators game in Nashville. Scared uh, out of my mind. Hockey is so, is, I love it. And the fact that you just said it, we're now best friends. We have become brother and sister because you've done that. What, what was that like? Cause like hockey, okay. Oh. Hockey is, are different humans. They're, they're bred different. Then football, yeah, basketball, baseball, hands down, they are. What was that like for you? Because I've played at Nassau Coliseum. I've played at Madison Square Garden. I've played at the, some of those big stadiums. What did that feel like for you? Well, first of all, I've never been to a hockey game. So that was an education in itself. I'm saw these guys out there getting in fights, and I'm going, what in the world are they doing? And I'm real sensitive. Like, I can't go to a bullfight. Forget it. Or I, can't go to, I can't go to a rodeo. I'm down there hugging the, the bull. You know, I mean, hello, what are they doing? You know, and my agent was like, Sherry, this is what they do. It's there. Nobody's hurting anybody, really. I'm like, well, they yeah. look like they're killing each other out there. Yeah. So I, I got a little, uh, I almost had a heart attack, I guess you could say. I got too involved. You know, I'm very, very passionate person. So I was, I, I, outside of that, I loved it. Hockey's amazing. I just, the beating, you hitting the stick to over somebody. I was like, oh my God, you know, cause they can get a little violent out there. Right. Oh yeah. But singing the anthem was really cool. Even though there was a three second delay and I've been, I'm used to that at singing at Coliseums with the anthem, but you got to really know that you better know what your words are because you're hearing yourself come back three seconds and you're just, you're like, it's in your face. You know, that's not an easy song to sing. So. Oh man. See, I don't know that. Like that, that's the stuff behind. So it's like when people are sitting there, it's like, okay, you, you wonder, right? Okay. Whitney Houston was one of the best yeah. anthem songs I ever heard. Right. I, and I'm, I'm just, look, I'm a big, I'm, I'm a big, <laughs> a woman's voice. I've always said since I'm a, a child, actually my mother's visiting out from New York. So she could actually, she would be able to confirm this. A woman's voice ever since I'm a child were always my favorite because they could hit those notes. And 
those notes, raspy, not raspy, or, or super high, man, it was always something for me. Now, I'm like a foghorn. You can tell, obviously, with my voice. If I can make my voice go really loud, it can go really deep. But I will never reach those levels that a woman could hit. So that has always, in my ear, when a woman goes to those levels, it, I, I'm like, it's like a snake charmer. Right? I get, like, hypnotized. I'm like, uh, right? So Whitney Houston, Christina Aguilera, uh-huh. those, when, when they can hit those notes, my mind can go blank. It's a mm-hmm. great thing for me. Um, so you're talking about it, right? You're talking about, Hey, you, you got to hit these. You're a three second delay. You better know your stuff, man. A three second delay is a long time. It's pretty, pretty nerve wracking. I remember when, um, uh, William Shatner called me and he said, can you come sing the anthem when I ride my horse out into the arena? Sure. I'll do it. You know, not realizing not only is I going to be stepping out in dirt, but I, uh, with heels on, I, he was hilarious. I, I'm out there, oh, say, oh, say, and I'm going, oh, wow, here we go, and he's riding the horse around me, and I've got the horse going, I got the, the echo coming back at me, he's waving the flag, and he's got, he's all, and here I am standing there with all that activity going on around me, along with that three-second delay hitting me in the face, and I tell you, you gotta, you gotta be focused to sing the anthem in some of those arenas, and if you ever get called to do it, I just realize you will probably be hearing yourself back. And now the first time I did it, they didn't want me. I will me defer to you. They will not call me. But if, if somebody makes that mistake to call me to do it, I'm having you do it for me. The first time I actually sang it, no one warned me I was going to have a three-second delay coming at me. And that was at a baseball. I thought it was a Dodger Stadium was one of them. I can't remember which one I sang it at. But when I got out there, no one told me that or prepared me for that. So I stopped. I go, oh, say that I'm hearing, oh, say. I'm like, who's singing? And then I realized it was an myself and i i stopped and i kept going like a pro you pick it back up and you keep going i was like oh lord and i i I literally just had to press through that thing and concentrate oh my i was sweating bullets when the time i got off coming sit down i was shaking all over i was like did i I, how did it sound because i didn't know how it sounded yeah (laughs) like but i gotta stand an ovation so it must have been good so i remember that but i was so and i'm a perfectionist so I'm very much a perfectionist, so. Well, I think anyway, we've, we've, we've seen went that. Those rabbit hole here. <laughs> no, no, no. We've seen it. So now let's talk about your documentary. I know, I know you look. We're gracious for the time that you are spending with us as well. So let's get into the documentary. Let's let the fan base know, um, and also where can they find the information or where can they support what you're doing with the documentary as well. So let's go into the documentary first and let's guide the audience on where they can go to support you with the documentary. Well, I am right now, the documentary is not out. It's in a couple of festivals and it's coming, going to be in one in June called the uh, Côte d'Azur. It's a film, uh, film freeway is the, the site. What is it on film freeway? No, hold on a second. Côte d'Azur is a film festival in, in the South of France. And it's going to be in June. Now, that will be available for the public to see it. See, because I can't release it to the public yet because Mm -hmm. it's in festivals. And what I didn't know, and thank God I didn't have it released yet, is that festivals want to feel like they're the ones that are getting your documentary. This is my first documentary. Yes. So they don't want it to have already been out there for people to see. So I got to run the festival circuit. I am going to France in September. I am meeting with distributors. 
uh, because I don't want to just sell out to one company. I want to mm -hmm. be able to try to get it in all the world and many languages. Um, and I want to try to go with different distributors in different markets and try to get it distributed worldwide because that's my goal. Um, my friend who's in the industry, he packages films and he a very he's a 30 some year veteran in the industry. And when I sent it to him, he just reached out to me out of the clear blue sky the other day. He, and, and I sent it to him with a password. It's password protected on Vimeo. And he literally sent me a message back and he said, I cried after watching your documentary because I realized I've not been a father to my son. And he said, for 30 years I was absent because I was busy. You know, he managed Richie Zambora. He worked with you know, a lot of Cindy Lauper. He, he worked in the industry and in music as well as film packaging and and he sent my documentary off to some, I mean, I didn't know he was even going to do that. And I was like, oh, okay. So he sent it to somebody at HBO. He sent it out to, unbeknownst to me, he didn't even ask me. I was like, okay, because he was so passionate about it when he saw it. I know that um, it's going to have a huge effect. And it's, you know, you, know, you got to be careful about how you do decision making. And so I'm being very careful and selective about the festivals. I've been very, it's going to be in the Burbank Film Festival, by the way. And that's coming up in uh, September, I think. That will be a theatrical release. That will not be a virtual release. It'll be theatrical as long as everything continues as it is and with this pandemic. Um, so that will be for the people that are in California that can actually go to a festival. They're fun. Festivals that's are fun. fun. And, um, but I am, um, there's really no way for people to see it right now unless they you know what can you people give the t can you give the title can you give the title of it yes absolutely absolutely because uh, it's called father me and uh, i do plan on doing a touring documentary because i've got a guy that's repping me for like like for instance the albuquerque um cultural center we're going to start having some centers put it out like that um and and a few months down the road um where they i get a sponsor that pays for it and then they allow youth to see it in detention centers um and the reason i say that is because in my documentary i i found out the statistics in a lot of these kids that end up in, in gangs and um in prison and doing a lot of crimes come from fatherless homes and Correct. You can look that up on the statistics. I mean, it's pretty, it, it was mind boggling for me. I was going, for, oh my God. For people to not understand the impact that a father has on a family and a child is monumental. And we can talk about drugs. We could talk about guns. We could talk about all of that. The reality of it is if you have a solid influence, um, there is still a chance that you could get into those things. Absolutely. But percentages are extremely in the favor of people who won't because they've had that education, right? It's kind of like where you have kids and they watch a father drink and they never drink. Well, why don't you want to have any drinks? Why well, I watched my father do it, right? Like I saw what happened. I learned from that. Maybe some people will take that and they will become that in a sense. So you do have those options, but mm -hmm. the statistics do not lie. They do not lie. And the issue is, is, is unfortunately, you have a lot more broken homes, a lot more divorce. You have a lot more of societal uh, issues that play into it, right? You, you, you can't be this way, right? Like people don't work through their problems the same way anymore. Um, 
And that's become a lost art of being able to problem solve and conflict resolution and accept the person for who they are and work through things, right? We need to get back to that just as a society, not mm -hmm. even so much just father child. Uh, but I think both, I think the mother and the father are extremely important in a home. Absolutely. And, it, and if they can't be in the home together and working together, then they need to be able to work together apart and still show that unity as a family. And because you've seen very successful they, the divorces, right? Or separations, they couldn't be together. And you've seen those families thrive, but you can't have the me versus them, right? It, you all have to work as a unit. Yeah, the one thing that, like I said, I can't release it, like Vimeo, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people put their stuff on Vimeo right now. And I have to have it password protected. But the yeah. one thing I am doing is like going to homes and showing it because it's not released, but I can show it to a group. I'm going to be showing it to a boxing group here in California before I leave. I've got a boxing school that, that, that they're, they're going to let their boxers watch in training. And I, Reno, Nevada, a prison, they're going to be showing it in a prison. Um, and, and just homes in general, you know, like whoever wants to see it, host a home party and I'm going to show it. Uh, I am going to be printing up some DVDs for sale when I start, you know, I don't really know where this is going to go in distribution. Sometimes we got to make our own distribution. Right. <laughs> and um, that's what I'm doing because I have so much, such a huge support system of people that are sharing, what can we do to help? I just sang mm -hmm. at a, at a, at a safe passages, um, outdoor event up in Thousand Oaks two weekends ago and I sang the song and the the lady that runs the foundation she came up and she you know talked about my documentary and and I had so many people come up to me afterwards singing the song and and started telling me their 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 stories about their dads and I, I it was endless I was like there was probably about I'd say about 70 people there outdoors a big outdoor event you know and mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it was kind of nice to be on a stage outdoors, you know, and, and be able to, to finally start to be normal, you know, again, you know, be around people, oh. but um, within safe, you know, within safety measures, right. We're, we're still being very careful. Um, and so I am doing that. And you know what I, I wouldn't, I would be willing to offer um, maybe um, doing, I don't know how to do it. Cause I'm not really good at this zoom stuff and, and putting groups together to watch stuff. I don't know how to do it, but I know the culture center has a way of doing it and they're going to be able to, to, to show it uh, virtually to people, but I don't know how to set that stuff up. I'm not, that's not my, there's, call. there's different. I, I mean, I can, like I said, we're, we're going to remain in contact. So just let me know what you need from the tech side, because there's, there's programs that you could use, which you could stream it to your social medias. If you wanted to do well, like I was going to offer it to your, to your audience today. That's where I was going with that. I was going to say, if there are people that would love to see it, because you listen to this podcast today, I, I don't know how to do it, you know, but I mean, I would be willing to do something uh, to show it to you guys, you know? Yeah. So, and I think we could get a whole listening, you know, like a whole listening party. We can set up for that event and do a listening party, man. That is, I'm super gracious to, to get that. Cause that's an absolute exclusive for people who want to watch it. And I can tell you now we'd get people streaming in watching yeah. it and wanting to see what's there and if if all we have to do is just you and i coordinate what's going to be the best dates and look times to do that and then i'll just talk to my my social media will be on fire 
if we bring that up. So we'll bring that off the air. We'll definitely go over that and we'll create a plan for everybody. And we'll bring that back to everybody here. And I'd be willing to do a Q and a as well. So, and, and let me tell you, I'm not finished with this documentary. Just so you know, it's a short right now. I still have, Oh, believe it or not, Muhammad Ali's biological son, the only son he has biologically, Muhammad Ali Jr. in Florida, who has told me he would do my interview. And I know him very well. I knew Muhammad. My dad, my dad's first cousin was Muhammad Ali's best friend. So I think that's why I got fighter in me. I got the fire. I mean, you, you like surrounded by like angel and angel, man. Like, like you have been around it the entire time. And it's incredible. It's incredible, but it's only God. I can only give God the the praise and the glory for it because listen, you know, we just, we're, we're all here in this boat, big old boat together, right? We're all in this swimming down this stream, up the stream, down the stream. We're all figuring it out because we're here. And, and we best be here for a purpose. And, and, and because it's not a long ride, you know, it's short compared to forever. And I'm just grateful that I have come to this place that I can give something to help somebody, you know, and I am still crazy. I'm still out there performing. I'm still doing crazy performances, but I, I tell you, when you're out there giving and, and just seeing lives transform and, you know, doing answering questions. Listen, I'm not, I'm not a psychologist here by any means. I I've just lived, lived it and learned and it's life's lessons for me, but I've never by any means will ever say I have the, the answer to all everybody's issues with their dads or whatever. But I can tell you this, the interviews that I got so far, like Oded fairs in it. Oded was in the mummy returns. He he's in star Trek discovery right now. Um, Israeli actor uh, Harmony Samuels, record producer. He was one of my first interviews. He, Chris Brown, um, uh, did Jan- Jackson's last record. His alone, it was, he, we were all just like with our mouths wide open because I didn't know what he was going to end up talking about. But his interview alone changed my perspective. And it really took me to a whole nother level with my relationship with my father to the point now, and I'm glad that I'm back in Tennessee because I'm, I'm spending a lot more time with my family. You know, I can fly to LA anytime, right? Mm-hmm. So it's good for me to be closer to my family. But, you know, I, I, um, I'm just grateful, you know, so I'd be willing to do a Q&A. We can show it. I mean, if you got, a, you know, people that want to see it, I'm willing to open that up to, to the listeners. I'm really, I feel led to do that. So I, I'm, I'm happy to do that. Well, we're, we're going to absolutely do that. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to set. On, you can find me on Instagram, by the way. I have Instagram. My LinkedIn pages are my two. My website is under development right now. Um, uh, my sherrypedigo.com.com site is so out of date. I just told my guy the other day, I said, I'm so far behind on this. I, I've been so busy with other stuff the last five years. I have not even thought about a website. But now those I'm, things come together fairly quickly. Don't worry. That's yeah, as long that is, as, as long as the stuff is ready for capture, but I want to, I wanted to do something quickly, which was we had spoken about this briefly. And I, I thought this was extremely important to talk about, which was perspective. Your perspective now is completely different than what your perspective was before. And from the dawn of time, we've all learned. And I always say this to everybody. We've learned by telling stories. 
So, you know, I'm always amazed when people feel like they have to apologize because they don't have a degree in psychology or, you know, being a parent or ABC, whatever it is. Reality of it is how we always learned as humans were through stories. That's why content creation has become so powerful. That's why your stuff is resonating and becoming more powerful. And like you, like I have reached a point where we're able to take that and actually give a, a, a cohesive answer back as opposed to saying, I don't know. We've, we've wrapped up certain loops in our past and it's helped build for the future that we now lay those you know foundations for. But I, I'm a firm believer in saying, look, it's God as well. We have to go through the steps, right? Like we have to do the dirty work. There's certain things that we have to do. God leads us to that point, but we oh, have to do the work. And do the work. <laughs> exactly. And so you're doing it, but then look, you and I meet each other. These people meet each other. The fans are going to be able to see this and they would have never had an introduction to it. So do you see how that works? Obviously you do. Right. And so I always look at this, like, just tell your story because you like you, you build yeah. it, they show up too. Well, look, remember what I told you when I told you when I, when I, you know, published my book, I, 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 I wasn't raped, but I had people who dealt with that, that were like, this helped me. How the hell do I help you? You know what I mean? I yeah. wasn't there, but it's the connectivity, the engagement, the understanding that then people go during this conversation, you and I are talking and then you find out our dads were workaholics. They were the same funny. They lost their dad at the same age. They became, they became workaholics. It felt like it defined who they were. Yes. They lost time with us, but they thought through the monetary gains and, and stuff that they provided that that was going to satisfy the child. Right? So you go further down that again. And then now you're there with the documentary father me now just so people for the people who maybe jumped in and out that were listening she had an experience with a previous documentary she's being super careful with this one but there's a reason that one didn't work well it wasn't a documentary it was a film it, it was, was a film a yeah it was a movie two-hour film yes yeah yes. that didn't that didn't you know it was taken and it, it was yeah. named father me as well yeah okay so and, no, no. So now we come full circle, right? And now you're like, I've got this. I'm going to do it this way. And I'm going to go this route. And I'm going to go with this person. What a great example you can be for a Q&A and for people out there to understand, hey, there's different paths that you can take. There's different ways to go. Take the guidance. Listen to me. I've been there. And now people can actually believe that. Right. Like that's a fun place for you to be at now that you're walking up and doing these going, no, 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 I don't want to do that. I already been through there. You make the decision making pretty easy. Well, you got to realize I was an athlete and I was a fighter. I grew up around men a lot. You know, I, I, I had these, these examples of, you know, either my dad was a workaholic and everything, but I, I, I was around like real men, you know, like they worked their hard, they worked hard you know, and being around my, my dad's, well, he's my second cousin being, I didn't even know who Muhammad Ali was. I mean, I was like, who's Muhammad Ali? <laughs> you know, I, I, I just, I really, honestly, I think that fighting bo tomboy thing in me and wanting to run all the yeah. time and be at the finish line. I was, I was a fighter and I was very competitive. Now, not everybody has that personality, but my personality was driven. I was driven. Like my mom said, you had your bad, you were going, you were, I don't know what got you like this, but you were going places. My sister, totally opposite, totally yeah. opposite. Yeah. I love meeting people like me. 
This is fun. I feel like I'm talking to a mirror. It's amazing. Like I get to actually like somebody else out there is saying the stuff that I normally would be saying. This is awesome. Well, I say it to people because, you know, a lot of people don't have anybody to motivate them. And, you know, if I can help somebody, you know, motivate them, help them find their voice. You know, I do produce, I produce singers as well. I get in and I help a lot of young people find their voice, you know, and I just There's no helping me, people. Sherry. I tried my family just just to make you laugh. My family allows me to sing, but they're not allowed to be home when I do it. Okay, that's where they're at now, and hopefully we'll get some we'll get some laughs out of you because I'm the guy who will go blast it and start singing, and then my wife will walk up and go, "You know, you sound nothing like what you think you sound like, right?" And I'm like, "Well, thank you for telling me, but I enjoy it anyway." And she goes, "No, it's it's painful. Please let us know so we can go outside, right?" <laughs> because the smile is going from ear to ear and it makes everybody laugh so for me it's a win-win right well hey awesome she doesn't know how to help me she goes i can't help you anthony (laughs) well there's techniques i believe everybody can sing i just i i i always i never i oh well unless they're completely tone deaf there's another that's another another story but anyway So, okay, look, we have been, I, I can't thank you enough because we're going to play the song through this interview as well. And it's going it, to, there's going to be a piece of it that opens the intro. There's going to be a piece that lets it go. We're going to play the song in its entirety. Uh, the song is called Father Me. It is beautiful. And uh, it is, it sounds absolutely beautiful. And I can't thank you enough. Number one, for taking the time. Number two, for having a good time. Uh, with us here and number three just thank you like there's nothing else to say like you have been nothing but sweet and courteous and kind to me and that to me what means the world and i just want to thank you for taking all the time that you have with me and the time that you have now and anything that i could ever do to help just let me know oh thank you and if people want to reach out to me um you got the spelling of my name right for them to find me yeah go p-e-d-i-g-u yeah just please Find me on, um, I do a lot of my business stuff on LinkedIn, uh, Instagram. I am on Facebook. I don't get on there much, but Instagram is my go-to. I love Instagram. And um, yeah, so there you go. (laughs) What we'll do is I'll have everything inside the show notes as well. Any messages that come through, I will forward in there. I'm already making you uh get in contact with with the horse farm back in new york as well so at least that's there for you and then we'll set up a showing and then we'll also shut up set up a a, a q a and then we'll also set up anything else that you want to do and like i said any way that i could help you get this out there let me know and i'm on board thank you thank you people the audience thank you all for watching and listening even though i'm not you can't see me but <laughs> no, no 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 it's okay look for for everybody in the audience, we will, you will, we will get to see her, I promise, as we roll out some of these things. But uh, I want to thank everybody I'm for tuning in. <laughs> I want to I thank everybody for tuning in, and we want to thank our guest. It, it's it's country music star. We have Sherry Pettigo here, and this has uh, been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for stopping by the Fun House and, uh, and listening to The Independent Mouth.
Father me, Father me. 